Today's show is brought to you by Eero. For free overnight shipping, visit Eero.com. At checkout, select overnight shipping and then enter promo code GOG to make it free. That's Eero.com. E E R O.com. Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schellmeister. How about a little follow-up? So for some reason, I continue to follow what's going on with uh, the Amazon Alexa, particularly their skills. We've made fun of them repeatedly for a number of reasons. First off, most of them are useless. Second off, good luck finding anything. Third, good luck remembering what the hell the command is to turn anything on or off anyways. All the various issues that we have with the Alexa, but they are finally addressing the one thing that I had been hoping for, which is the ability to control all your media. Now, you and I have both explored using third-party systems, all of which have sucked and not worked correctly, but uh, they've now opened up basically the development capabilities for people to do so. And one assumes companies like Sony uh, is, are already getting in there to create skills to enable hands-free control of their devices. So hopefully everybody else will get on board and we won't need the crappy third-party stuff and we'll be able to just download an update for our TV and all of a sudden we can finally control our damn TVs. Yeah, it seems nice like you'd be able to set a default for, you know, okay, turn on the TV. It, it will know which TV it's going to use. Yes. That would be very nice because that little blumpy device that you had me buy is in a box somewhere now because it barely worked. Oh, so is mine. It was a piece of crap. So, yeah. So they finally opened up what they're calling the smart home skill API. So hopefully all these companies that actually know how to uh, deal with their own systems will get on it and uh, release updates for us. Yeah, I noticed uh, during the last Prime Day that there were a lot of Sony enabled Alexa TVs. So I think that, the, yeah, that Sony definitely is jumping on the bandwagon for that. Which is nice. Yep. And uh, last week we talked about Foxconn opening up a warehouse, or not a warehouse, a plant in Wisconsin. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, turns out the residents of Wisconsin are going to get <laughs> fairly screwed by this. Uh, what? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on a second. Thus following in a long line of stories uh, such as this in, in just the last couple months, which is, uh, look, we're getting this big, great thing happening. Look at all the tax incentives we're giving you to do that. Yep. Yeah, and Foxconn could be getting uh, up to $200 million in cash every year for the next 15 years. You know, it works out to about $3 billion that it's coming out of the uh, the pockets of the Wisconsinians. Yes. The cheeseheads. Takeoffs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. Winning. Yeah, takeoffs actually Canada, but Wisconsin's close enough. Close enough. It's, it's border-esque. Uh, so we've got the big eclipse coming on August 21st, uh, and because we can't have nice things... <laughs> there are a lot of companies selling fake solar eclipse sunglasses, nice. which is not cool at all. Uh, it's been 38 years since the last total solar eclipse was visible in the continental United States. Do you remember it? Then, I do not because I was five. Okay. I was I, since, I, since I'm older than you, I do remember it. <laughs> I remember sitting uh, yeah. outside uh, in my, my school with all my friends and we're all like uh, half of us were getting blinded because we didn't have the crazy glasses we had, you know. The cardboard with a hole in it, and we didn't know how to use it, and then they all just ended up looking at it anyway. Yeah, which is basically what everybody does. Probably why I have glasses. Yeah. Yes. Well, you don't want to do that, and you definitely want to protect your kids' eyes, uh, so it is important to get these glasses, and 
because there are so many of these fake ones being sold that don't actually do anything and probably actually increase the harm that you're going to get because you'll be staring directly at the damn sun. Uh, there is a the proper standards and the full AAS, which is the American Astronomical Society's Solar Eclipse Task Force, has basically put out the safety guidelines and a list of reputable manufacturers and authorized dealers of solar filters and viewers. So check that out before you purchase them for your lovely child and yourself. Okay. <laughs> but your child is going to be screwed anyways. Well, way to way to start the show off. You're going to have a destroyed blind child. Okay. We we've talked about this a lot on the show. Um and this is a very long form article. Um it's actually called Have Smartphones Destroyed a Generation over at the Atlantic. It is written by Jean M. Twenge uh from her forthcoming book iGen. Why today's super connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood, and what that means for the rest of us. Get off, <laughs> off our get off our damn lawn. Uh, this article is is really depressing. Um, it's a very long form read. It's very much worth it. Uh, I I just uh, just this one paragraph here that I'll read. Uh, to those of us who fondly recall a more analog adolescence, this may seem foreign and troubling. The aim of generational study, however, is not to succumb to nostalgia for the way things used to be. In other words not to do get off my lawn uh it's to understand how they are now some generational changes are positive some are negative many are both more comfortable in their bedrooms than in a car or at a party today's teens are physically safer than teens have ever been because they don't leave the house they're markedly less likely to get into a car accident and having less of a taste for alcohol than their predecessors are less susceptible to drinking's attendant ills psychologically however they are more vulnerable than even millennials were rates of teen depression and suicide have skyrocketed since 2011 it's not an exaggeration to describe iGen as being on the brink of the worst mental health crisis in decades much of this deterioration can be traced to their phones <laughs> well the interesting thing about that is i guess my brother got out just in time he just turned 26 so mm -hmm. on the tail end of the the millennial curve he's more social than anybody i know you know he's right. got tons of friends they do things together all the time they get out and are, are amongst the world so i guess he he just missed the uh yeah just just by missed it by that much yeah, it's it's and as this article points out again and again, and something that you and I have been talking about, uh, every study is just showing that whatever you're doing on your phone is making you depressed. Social media is making you depressed. It's isolating that makes you depressed. And every study is showing getting out of the house, being around people physically, being out in nature makes you happy. And unfortunately, an entire generation seems to just be getting sucked in by this stuff. Which is understandable. Look at how sucked in we are, and we didn't even grow up with it. We know yeah, the better we, things to be doing. We made it. That's our problem. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I've taken all social media off my phone, and I haven't felt better in a long time. In the news. And as we just alluded to, uh, because the younger generations are drinking less, which is probably a good thing, but... Millennials seem to be killing the beer industry. That's bad. I like my beer. <laughs> Millennials aren't drinking enough beer to keep brands afloat, according to the according to CNBC. Goldman Sachs has downgraded both the Boston Beer Company and Constellation brand on the data that younger consumers aren't drinking as much alcohol as older generations, and the ones who do are drinking wine and spirits and not drinking beer. But what about all those hip hipsters in the craft brewery bullshit that's been going around for the last yeah, but that's ten years? all. 
that's being, I, I don't know. I mean, I've gone to a lot of these things and that's, that's all old people like us that are there. Uh, yeah. There's some younger people, but it's mostly being driven by those of us in our late thirties, early forties. Um, you know, beardy types that are still escaping generation X people who need mustache wax. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is, uh, this is not good. Oh, uh, well, speaking of not oh, well. good, uh, <laughs> Facebook buys Oslo, which is, okay. it's a, your favorite, Brian. Uh, it's a, <sighs> an AI company. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, they're trying to bolster their efforts to make Messenger more useful, which I would say they're probably going in the opposite direction. Yes. Uh, this company has what they called a knowledge layer, which, okay. you know, I like to say a very big decision tree. But Yes, <laughs> which is not AI. Nope, it's not. <laughs> so they're going to... They, it's a goddamn database. That's what it is. <laughs> Well, what it is, is it's a way for the guy that used to run uh, the Android platform at Facebook to go out, start another company, yeah. get go back, get bought by Facebook to get a real yeah. payday, and then yeah. go on his merry way because he's not even joining the team at Facebook. It was an acquire. So nice. So smart. I know. I wish we were that smart. Ah, me too. We had too much, of, too much crap, too much beer. Was that was our problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So speaking about Facebook, we've talked a couple times about how Facebook supposedly was having a coolness problem and that the kids weren't joining. And I think you and I, even at the time, we, we talked about this maybe two years ago. I was like, uh, no way. Facebook is fine. Nothing's going to happen to Facebook. Facebook is going to destroy everybody anyways. And guess what? We were right. There you go. So, yeah, but, uh, you know, they did it uh, very pirate style. They saw, they looked around, they saw what uh, the apps were that were more popular, that were getting more popular with the young kids. And then they basically lied, cheated, stole, recreated and destroyed those companies. Well, I mean, Facebook's (laughs) issue back then was the mom problem. That Mm -hmm. was as kids were, you know, they were having their little Facebook time. And Mm -hmm. then the parents joined up and the kids were like, ah, no, mom, get out of my room. I'm watching TV. <laughs> Leave me alone. So they went to Snapchat. Now they've grown yeah. up a bit and they're like, eh, who gives a shit? I'll go back to Facebook. But honestly, I think Instagram is what ate Snapchat's lunch. That's easy. Oh, totally. That's easy but, enough to, to trace. And kids still well, use Instagram. The, the interesting thing about this story is that it does the, the headline and the writing itself tends to make you think Facebook. Well, no, not the actual site or app, Facebook. It's the umbrella not, company. The umbrella company that owns Instagram and WhatsApp. Instagram and WhatsApp are massive mm-hmm. for the younger generations, not so much Facebook itself. So it is the umbrella company, not not the specific app. Which is why they didn't rename Instagram or WhatsApp to anything yep. Facebook. They kept exactly. it separate. You, yep. You never see the Facebook logo on those things. Very smart of them. Very, very mm-hmm. smart of them. Um, you know, I thought we were going to get away with no Uber news this week. I didn't put in a single Uber story. Yeah, well, I, I didn't say it was about you. Nothing. It's not always about you, Brian. Sheesh. <laughs> uh, Uber Singapore uh, yes. stepped on their dick big time. So they bought a thousand of these cars called Vizels or Vizels mm-hmm. or Vessels. I'm going to go with Vizel. Vizel. Like Vizele. Uh, no, it's, it's Singapore, not Italiano. Uh, well, they leased them to drivers in Singapore, but uh, unfortunately, those cars had been recalled for bad wiring because the car might catch on fire. Well, guess what happened to one of the Uber's cars with a fare inside? Yep, caught on fire. Oopsies. What are you going to do? And they're like, yeah, we didn't. We could have been better with that because they knew. They knew. It wasn't the executives, <laughs> but the, the people at Uber in Singapore. They Yeah, they knew. 
that these cars had been recalled and that they were a danger to the drivers and the passengers. But they're like, eh, it's easy. Yeah. To, it's easier to apologize than ask permission. Fuck it. We'll keep them on the road. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah. <laughs> but and it's 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 a recall. They're going to get fixed for free. So why didn't they just take them back? Right. But I guess if cars off the road, it's not making money. Nope. Nope. It's not. Uh, we've had a lot of stories recently about what's going on on Twitter. Twitter, uh, particularly regarding our, our current president, Donald Trump, who uses his personal Twitter account rather than the POTUS account to make statements and uh, communicate with the masses, as it were. Um, and we've also seen a fair amount of people basically considering it a badge of pride uh, to be blocked by the account. Mm -hmm. um, you'll, you'll see people celebrate when that happens and LOL and screenshot it and whatnot. Uh, this could be very bad for Mr. Trump because uh, a court has now ruled that a politician blocking followers violates free speech. Uh -oh. If you are going to use social media as your bully pulpit, you have to be able to allow everybody to see what you're saying. You cannot block people. Um, a court has found that a federal court in Virginia took on the issue on behalf of a plaintiff blocked by a local county politician um, and basically said, yeah, if you're going to use that to communicate with your constituents, you have to allow all of your constituents access to that. So, Mr. Trump, better stop blocking people. Yeah. And what's going to come of it, though? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Anyway. Ooh. I just think it's an interesting development because it's gotten to the point where, you know, we in the back of our minds, we treat social media as just this kind of whimsical, silly little thing that exists. Uh, no, it, it's for serious these days. This is a real method of communication with legal implications. Well, we'll see if there are legal implications. That's that's the real trick is what's going to happen to people who do it. What's the recourse for the constituents? And when can we sue the carrot? That's really what I'd like to know. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, Apple, 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 Ooh. Apple. Speaking of stepping on your dicks this week, um, <laughs> everybody's wondering what the iPhone 8's going to have, what it's going to look like, all this good stuff. Well, yep. Apple told us themselves by okay. putting in graphics in uh, the new HomeKit APIs, or maybe it's the HomePod APIs, uh, that had basically different function calls for different features that have not been announced yet, like some facial recognition stuff and uh, the layout of the phone, which does not have a home button on it anymore. Oh, wow. Project management fail. Yeah, big time. <laughs> so, ah, uh, nice one. Nice one, Apple. What are you going to do? You're not getting rid of the home button. That's interesting. They I just like, just I like the developer's last name who found it is Rambo. I thought that was funny. Too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in good news for Apple, though, they have managed to sell a bunch of iPads again. Initially, iPad sales were stagnant. Uh, they have taken off again. And you know how they did it, Jason? Um, uh, you tell me, Brian. Got rid of the higher end features and made them cheaper. Okay. They went the Amazon route. Pretty much. This is something that Apple is not known for doing. Apple does not remove features. Apple does not make things heavier and thicker than previous versions, but they are now. Um, and they're doing it to be able to drop the price, which makes sense because iPads are goddamn expensive. So yes, this are. is totally making sense. I mean, I would, I'd buy a lot more of them if they were cheaper. I'd like having them around. No, they're, they're. I mean, they're they're fantastic. And the the interesting thing is the the stuff that they took off is really good for if you're not going outside, like the anti reflective coating. Yeah, you kind of need that if you're ever going to use it outside. Right. Period. 
But, uh, you know, I've got an iPad Pro and I love it. And if I could afford it, I would get the new, you know, cafeteria tray sized iPad Pro because that thing looks fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I can't afford it. So, yeah. Um, But yeah, for for newbies who want an iPad, $329, that's doable. Yep, I agree. And you're going to want to go to our show notes for this one. We have been following Hyperloop and Hyperloop 1 and and making fun of it often. Making fun of it often and the various trials and tribulations they've had getting this thing going and figuring out where it's going to be and whatever. But uh, they've done a full test run uh, in the Nevada desert. It's a 28 foot long pod in a gigantic concrete tube. And they have taken a video and it's so cool. <laughs> well, the, the thing about the video is is very cool, but they kind of in the middle of it go all CGI on it and you don't get I... to see the full test. I agree completely. I hated the fact that they did that. I wanted yeah. to see the straight shot, as Gizmodo calls it. It looks like a Tron-inspired fantasy. I wanted just the straight shot of the actual test without going off into CGI fantasy land. Yep. But it's very cool. It's very it cool. It is very cool. I can't wait to take one of these things. They got to build them. They look fantastic. Uh, the sad part is, as, the, as they point out, is that great, awesome visual that we're getting of the test. You would never, ever see because it'll be completely sealed on the inside. Yeah, no windows, which is probably good because all it would look like, it, you know, a couple hundred miles an hour are strobe lights. You, yeah, pretty you, much. It, you know what? They just need to no make it a party car. Can, no epileptics can ride. Right. Never. It's got to be an EDM party car. You get your you get your free shot of Molly when you get on. <laughs> it is just a dance party all the way to New York City, baby. <laughs> Oh, Tesla is yes. also, you know, not just creating the Hyperloops, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Model 3 is yes. is making its debut now. Yes. Well, it's supposedly, you know, the cheap, the cheaper Tesla. For a Tesla. For a Tesla. It is cheap. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, if you want it with more than, you know, sitting on, on a, like a milk crate and, yeah. uh, and a fan, like, you know, a handheld fan for air conditioning... You got to mm-hmm. put out some money for these things and a decent one is going to run you about 50 grand which is not a cheap car. No, if it's uh, the options always get you. Seriously. And uh you know, I I'm curious how many people are going to be pissed off about this and cancel and just eat their eat their deposit, but I don't know. I, I I agree that it's definitely not good for the PR that it's been trumpeted as the cheaper version and the price point that they released is the no frills, no nothing. Oh, you want air with that model? Um, but this is uh, realistically, it's not any different from how everybody else promotes their cars. Yeah, so but it's they, a, I mean, their their add ons are pretty pricey. Right. Yeah, yeah they are. OK, Bitcoin. Bitcoin. Oh, boy, have we talked about Bitcoin a lot and still kind of been vaguely confused about it all the time. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Enough so that I, you know, I would personally never recommend uh, investing in it. And I do believe I think I was right. Um, Bitcoin is divided into two. Uh Uh-huh. I don't really know how that works. Uh, But disagreements about how to operate the cryptocurrency have now led to a new strand called Bitcoin Cash, which is breaking off from the Bitcoin system. It's what's called a hard fork from Bitcoin, a virtual Mm -hmm. currency. Uh, I don't understand any of this. It doesn't sound good. It sounds very (laughs) unstable to me, which is not what you're looking for, really, when you're trying to invest and not lose a lot of money. See, I know a lot of people now that have made a ton of money on bitcoin and now ethereum ethereum is the new you know uh yes pretty boy on the block and people are making ungodly amounts of money with that i I would like to caveat that with also people are losing lots of money 
Yeah, no, you got you got what if what it fluctuates that much there are winners and there are losers. It's, you got to hang on to it for the long term. You can't just buy it and and dump it. It's not a it's not one of those types of things. But people who bought Bitcoin way back in the day, yep. Big money. Big big money. And I wish I had me some from back in the day instead of being a cynical old fart and not putting any money into it. <laughs> I'm still too worried about the whammies. Yeah, well. Here's the deal. We don't know what we're talking about. Most of nope. the time, yep. <laughs> and that's why we're poor. But yeah, we'll see how this, this this shakes out. It's pretty new, like what's going on with this. So, I think we'll get more info over the coming weeks. But I'm, I'm going to start diving into the crypto side more because I've got friends that are investing in it and mm-hmm. are doing the real deep dive. So they're giving me good resources on where to go learn about it. And good, you can bring it to the show, and we can all learn with you. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I I, I might, you know, just throw like a hundred bucks or two into Ethereum and see how it does. Yeah, yeah, take those Twitter spoils that you've made. Yeah, shut the fuck up. <laughs> uh, one of the problems of doing a weekly show is sometimes such a story so great hits the news, but by the time we get around to recording our podcast, it's been played out. Yeah. yeah. And the, this is that story. NASA is hiring someone to protect Earth from aliens. You've heard about this everywhere. This has been played out to death. It's still a great story, though. What a job. Yeah. And it's been around since 1968, apparently. Yeah, well, you know, Tommy Lee Jones can't keep doing it forever. That's true. That's true. Now, one thing that a lot of people have not seen is uh, the old mission control from the Apollo days. Uh, they're trying to restore that control room because it nice. is it is a national monument, apparently. But, it, it right. you know, after the Apollo missions, they reuse the same room for the shuttle missions, and it's kind of beat mm-hmm. up now. And, yeah. And they're trying to restore it to its, you know, glory days from the Apollo missions. And the, the city that it's in has actually donated, uh, I think, $3.2 million to the restoration, which they're, I think they're saying is going to cost around 4 to $5 million. Right. So they started a Kickstarter campaign to get the rest of the money. It was a $250,000 uh, minimum. They've already surpassed that. They've got two weeks to go. And the thing about the Kickstarter campaign is the city that uh, Mission Control is in there. Webster, Texas. That was it. I, I couldn't remember the name to save my life. And I hate autoplaying videos, so I didn't want to risk it because <laughs> <laughs> the, the link to CNET will autoplay a video for us. But they're matching the Kickstarter money up to $400,000. So they've got, you know, I think they're 322000 So next couple, next couple weeks here, go throw in a few bucks. Yep. Very cool. Yep. Can't wait to see that thing restored. Ups and doodads. I finally got my uh, Apple AirPods, Jason. And... I, I do not feel any burning desire to get a watch. Okay. I do feel like a douchebag wearing them. That, that'll, that'll pass. All things pass. Mm, I'm not so sure about that. Uh, the sound quality is great. Uh, a little lacking on the bass, I would say. Um, in fact, very lacking on the bass. But, uh, you know, other than the Sennheisers, what aren't? Yeah, yeah uh, you're really, uh, you know, that's a tough comparison to make there. Yeah, so I'm basically comparing them to the, uh, oh gosh, what were those called? The, the the Bluetooth headsets I've had for a couple of weeks now, the, the Will I Am. The Will I Am ones, yeah. Yes, yeah, so I'm comparing them to those. Uh, sound is better than those. Definitely have no Bluetooth dropout issues, which I was having with the Will I Am headphones. Um, what about the battery life? Battery life is better but not great but because they have that cool little capsule thing it's it's a lot easier i meant your I'm phone just... i meant your phone battery life because you complained when you got the oh, will right. i am ones that your phone battery was like you know you could watch it go down well i forgot about that so therefore not bad 
Okay, good. Yeah, because I yeah, saw no so, drop off with battery life yeah, when I got so the AirPods. I, I haven't even thought about that, so it's been totally fine. Yeah, exactly. So that's uh, for whatever reason the Will I Am stuff drains the phone battery. Like no tomorrow, this does not. So mm-hmm. uh, the problem I have with it, and there are multiple problems. Um, I'm gonna have to buy the little stringy thing because uh, I am just so used to either with old school headphones that you know had a cable, or the Will I Am ones just being able to take them out of my ear and drop them. So mm. that they fall across my chest. I have to, these obviously you have to put in a pocket or something mm-hmm. when you take them out because there's nowhere to do it. I also do not like not having access to volume mm. as a button. Um, again, the Will I Am ones had a little thing and so did the cabled ones. So you could do volume left, right? You can do, do that on your Apple Watch, by the way. Just saying. I'm not going to invest $400 to be able to change volume, Jason. <laughs> well, you can also do forward and next and skip 30 seconds. For your yeah, podcast apps. All of those things are not available. Uh, you have to go back to basically using the phone if you want to do them. Or you can double tap and leave it on Siri. But then I'm like double tapping going Siri lower. And that just seems silly. Oh, yeah. Turn uh, that so shit I, <laughs> I've turned that off and I just have it to pause now. But uh, again, with audio, we'll talk about that a little bit later. With audio being all over the map uh, in terms of loudness uh, for podcasts and for music, I really, really, really miss having easy access to volume control. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I don't like is I if think, you I think take... I was gonna say I think the one thing that I've gotten really good at is I know mm. where the volume on my phone is through my pants, and I know I, know, <laughs> I can reach. I know where the volume, so I just tap it through my pants. That's kind of yeah, how I do it. I got I got to tell you, in the last week, I've gotten very good at doing the same thing because I'm generally listening while I'm on my bike, so mm-hmm. I have to catch my leg at the right yep. proper rotation, <laughs> and I'm banging on the volume through my biking shorts. Yep. You actually get pretty, you do get kind of good at that though. It's one of those adaptations. Yeah. And the other thing I don't like, and this is just a me thing, probably I, if you take either of them out of your ear, it'll automatically stop the audio. See, I love Uh, that. I would love love that. I would love to be able, if I would want the, I want it to be able to sense if I've kept one in my ear or not. So it just keeps playing because I'll often leave podcasts going, pop my thing out because somebody's asking me a question or bugging me on the street. I want it to keep it going and just, oh, hey, yeah, okay, no problem. Pop it back in. And I've not had any break in the sound. So that could just be a me, a, a be a me thing, but you'd yeah. think it would be a setting. No, I so. think that's a you thing because, I mean, when I take one out, that means I need to focus on something else. So if yeah, I want to focus I, on something else, I don't want something in my ear. I don't like to multitask. I like, I like to multitask. So. Yeah, yeah. Go, yeah. go do the research on that one. We know it doesn't But o- <laughs> overall, they've been fine. I'm going to keep using them. The other... The last thing as I'm gearing up for travel, which bums me out, is the fact that I can't use any Bluetooth headsets on planes. I still need to bring my cabled headset with me. Why not? Because most planes don't have Bluetooth audio coming from their uh, entertainment centers. Like if I'm watching a movie. Oh, okay. I thought you meant you can use it with your iPhone on a plane. I'm like, bullshit. (laughs) No. (laughs) no. Bluetooth still works. No, if I'm using using the in-plane air air systems, Uh, uh, entertainment systems, none of those have Bluetooth at this point yeah but i mean you only get three hours on the airpods anyway so you can bring your that's true bring your sennheisers for that because that's what you want on a plane because it blocks out the rest of the sound well that's what i always do anyway so yeah but Uh, uh, i can't you know no one headphones to to rule them all yeah to bind them so i just wish these i wish these weren't white i wish they came in another color (laughs) i do wish that too but that's you know that's apple what are you gonna do buy a paint marker (laughs) that's pretty much it and a funny thing happened to me this week as I was just sitting around the house. We talked a few weeks back about how Spotify spoofing um, different, you know, people figuring out ways to game the system on Spotify mm-hmm. to get plays for things that they, you know, didn't really do. 
hopping on uh, famous people and, and current trends and things like that. Uh, I gave up asking Alexa to play the Beach Boys because apparently there's some kind of rap group or something called the Beach Boy. And that's that. Good fucking luck. For whatever reason, it just will not play the Beach Boys, even though if you go through Spotify or Amazon and type in Beach Boy, it brings up the Beach Boys, not Beach Boy. But for whatever reason, if you wanted to play it and you're using the voice command stuff, you're never going to get the goddamn Beach Boys. Now, the funny thing about this is, why the hell are you playing the Beach Boys? <laughs> Pet Sounds is a genius album, man. Oh, my God. Here's what it's you really do. Good. I ran into this with some other other artists on Spotify. Make a Beach Boys sound or playlist. Yep, exactly. That's, That's all you got to do. So, yeah, I've had to do that for a couple other artists mm-hmm. as well, that for whatever reason, the voice recognition just will not get their name. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've, I've had the same thing happen. I just went and created a playlist threw everything in it. And because if I'm if I'm just playing an artist, I want it to shuffle anyway. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. And I did that, especially do that with the Smiths, because it always leans towards the live tracks, which I can't stand. So I made yeah. a Smiths playlist that just has the studio tracks. Right. Uh, I hate when they when they just, you know, put all of the, the live crap up front. I agree. First world problems. Indeed. Well, one thing that you don't have to worry about so much anymore uh, on Spotify is the aforementioned volume issues. Uh, Spotify is apparently, as of the end of May, made a change to its music files that went unnoticed by almost all of the service's listeners. What was apparent, <laughs> however, to sound engineers and studio wizards was that the volume had been reduced on every Spotify-hosted track. It's important to note that it's only the Spotify-hosted tracks. There are a number of artists and random things on Spotify where they are not hosting anything that's mm. uh, weird system uh using software called dynameter this collection of audio files took measurements of popular playlists like the global top 50 and albums of genres from all over the place and discovered that spotify catalog had become quieter which is good because good. a lot of people were engineering things to be louder than they should be or you lose dynamics and um the whole point of dynamics is to give you feeling and emotion and people have just been cranking and cranking and cranking so things are as loud as possible to get people's attention for some reason uh spotify is fighting against that i'm happy that they are doing that i Mm -hmm. would like to see this uh go across the board we do and this is why people are losing their hearing uh you know everybody's wearing these headphones jacking the volume up as much as possible and then uh, so are the providers they're they're cranking cranking the volume levels on this stuff i mean this came out in the ipod era remember when apple came out with the like the max volume setting yes where it you know you could put it down to like say seven and say never go past this Mm -hmm. because you know people were losing their hearing because they would crank their ipods all the way up and there were times man you pop them in and you don't realize that the 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 scroll wheel had been (laughs) moving in your pocket and you put it in and you have to like rip your headphones off your head because you just you start bleeding yeah. out your eyeballs because <laughs> it was so loud. Yep, yeah. exactly. So at least they're taking some steps to deal with that now. So good on you, Spotify. I'm impressed. Yeah, good for you. And the last little story I saw, magnetic tape data storage. We thought that was gone for good, didn't we? Yes, we did. It's not. Okay. They made... <laughs> Yeah, so Seagate, uh, IBM and Sony, sorry, not Seagate, IBM and Sony have made a breakthrough on tape technology, which will, this will only be for archiving massive amounts of data, not an actual drive that you'll have like running in your system. When you have to back they, up your AI. Yes, when you have to, to back to up your decision tree. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, ju- it's a new type of tape that can reportedly hold 201 gigabits or roughly 25 gigabytes per square inch. That does not sound impressive because you think of a tiny micro SD card that can hold 256 gigs. But then you remember that you can wrap tape up in a circle really, 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 really <laughs> yeah. tightly. Yeah. And not much, you can, not much of a tape if you're only buying it by the inch, you know. It's yes, a you couple can feet fill... You can fill a cartridge over over a kilometer of this tape, (laughs) which can store 330 terabytes of data in less space than a hard drive takes up, which is fantastic. I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah, just getting it back off takes a little while. And walking it past, you know, any kind of magnet. (laughs) Whoopsies. Yeah, the same thing happens with a hard drive, too. You you still have the same issues there. True. And you got to get a real big pencil to roll up that tape when it gets all garbled up. (laughs) Only old people will ever get that one. <laughs> this episode of Grumpy Old Geeks is brought to you by the new Eero and Eero Beacon. As a grumpy old geek, I've been dealing with crappy Wi-Fi ever since it was invented. Seriously, ever since it was invented. And I'm glad to say those days are finally over. I've spent thousands of dollars buying and upgrading routers and extenders over the years, but I can say I'm finally done. Oh, by the way, did you know most extenders cut your bandwidth in half because they use only a single radio for inbound and outbound traffic? Well, now you do. I installed my new second-generation Eero last week with two of their beacons strategically placed around the house, and now I've got full signal everywhere. The cool thing about these second-generation Eeros is they added a third 5 gigahertz radio, so now it is tri-band and twice as fast as the Eero 1. lets you do more simultaneously in every single room. Amazing technology in this thing. I couldn't get a signal at all in my garage last week, and now I'm at 100%. No joke. The Eero beacons are genius. You just plug them into any outlet, and they create a total mesh network in your house. These aren't extenders. They talk to your Eero base station to spread the full signal throughout your home. And they've even got an automatic nightlight, great Wi-Fi, and no more stubbed toes. Bonus! Office buildings have had these systems for years, but they're way too expensive to have at home. Now, in just a few minutes, you can have an enterprise-grade Wi-Fi solution in your home that you control from your iOS or Android device. I unboxed mine, downloaded the app, and had my entire house covered in five minutes. Seriously, five minutes. You just plug in the Eero into your existing router, and it creates an entirely new network for you. Place the beacons where you need more signal, and that's it. Bob's your uncle. You know how we talk about security on this show. And with the Eero, you don't have to worry about updating the router, ever. Whenever there's a software or security update, it downloads and installs it without you ever even knowing. And the app is amazing. It's got a built-in speed test, and you can see all of the devices attached to your network. And here's the best part. You can see the signal strength that all of the devices are connected with and how much bandwidth they're using. So if your annoying roommate is trying to watch Netflix while you're on an important Skype call, you can call them out on it. And if they're still being a jerk, well, with one click, you can block them from the network. Beauty. It is awesome. And it is so awesome, you're going to want to get one of these systems as soon as possible. So we've arranged for free overnight shipping. Visit Eero.com, that's E-E-R-O.com, and at checkout, select Overnight Shipping and enter promo code GOG. Boom, free overnight shipping. That's Eero.com, E-E-R-O.com, and select Overnight Shipping. Use the code GOG. Get it right away. And if you're listening to the show, I know you need an Eero, so get on it now. Media Candy. Now, Brian, you've gotten me into the Geeks and Beats podcast. I was going to put this in the show notes in case you hadn't listened to it, because this episode had your name all over it. They did an episode this week on sex bots. (laughs) They did. (laughs) Now, granted, everything they talked about in the show, we have covered ad nauseum before, but, you know, 
I would just like to say, good episode, guys. Nice try. I'll give you, I'll give you an, an A for effort there. But uh, yeah, until you actually have the balls to take the devices and try them out for <laughs> reviews on the show, you ain't got nothing on us, baby. You got to remember, Jason, two things. First off, they're Canadian, so they're not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and secondly, they did announce that they are kind of doing, they're not doing news-based uh shows these time this time around they're doing kind of overall topic based sort of stuff a wrap up of a topic so yes we beat them to every single story and the whole thing but we're news they're, they just did the wrap up so I thought it was an enjoy it, it was very funny it was I was really curious to see how they were going to skirt around many of the things that one would have to discuss mm-hmm. uh, if you're talking about sex bots being the nice Canadians that they are and they did a good job they did a very good job you know it's they, almost safe for work it's almost safe for work yes I mean there is some teledildonics talk in there and some things like that but uh, yeah and uh, this just reminds me of the old the old F-U-F me days what, what is old is now new again so isn't it though yes speaking of things that are old and now new again I got this from Sean Bonner on Twitter this morning that made my day Video of Jawbreaker playing their first show in 21 years. Man, oh, I can't wait to see them. They're definitely a little bigger, a little rounder. Got a little more uh, little more junk in the trunk, as they say. But they <laughs> sounded great, and uh, I got a month and a half till I get to see them again in person. I saw their second to last show before they broke up. So this will be, be fun. I cannot wait. Very excited for you. Yeah, thank you very much. And thank you to Sean Bonner for pointing that one out. Awesome. Uh, I was scrolling about Netflix this week, and I watched uh, The Truth is in the Stars. What is that? Uh, it is a, it's a documentary with William Shatner uh, sitting down with scientists, innovators, and celebrities to discuss how the optimism of Star Trek influenced multiple generations. <laughs> Apparently not Adam Savage. <laughs> no, did not sit down with Adam Savage. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, it was decent i mean shatner is so he's at peak shatner in this documentary i would say okay and there's there's no other way to describe it uh it, it really interesting people uh what jason alexander was doing in the middle of all these scientists is beyond me uh the scientists parts and the innovators parts those were great um really interesting people that he talks to he it's good it's fine it, it's a Good introduction to kind of where science is at right now uh, in a couple different uh, genres uh, with William Shatner being William Shatner. Okay, maybe I'll check it out. I, it's worth it. It's I think it's what it's uh, it's an hour, 26 minutes. Could have probably just been an hour, but worth it. Okay. I'd say, you know, and then I always like documentaries, so we'll go. Yeah, me too. It, it was it was fine. It was great. Uh, William Shatner is also in the news, uh, apparently, because he's going a little uh it's going a little crazy on the Twitter. He's always been big on Twitter, but he's 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 going hardcore right wing, you know, to hell with you progressive type people right now, which is vaguely against what he originally set out to do on Twitter because he was very much we're not going to do politics, no politics. But uh, he's doing politics now. Yeah, he's trying to keep up with George Takei. And there, well, he's basically he is the anti matter to George Takei's matter. Yeah, that's what it's, I figured. It seems to be exactly what's going on on Twitter right now. And mm-hmm. yeah, so people are like going, "Well, what the hell, man? You used to be progressive as Captain Kirk and all that stuff." Uh, two things. First off, that was a character that was written for him. <laughs> that was scripted. Uh, yes, that was scripted. And in a nutshell, people do change, and they do tend to get more conservative as they get older. So Shatner's not young. Let yeah, let the man do what he wants. Yeah, he no, you can't. He, he's Shatner. Just let him go. Exactly. 
And I got two things sent to me by friend of the show, Andy Stochansky, uh, to, that I watched on the tube of the U. Uh, the first is another documentary following a generation of post-punk musicians who took the synthesizer from experimental fringes to the center of the pop stage called Synth Britannia. Obviously heavy on your Depeche Modes and things of that nature. Really engaging and interesting and enjoyable and a lot of footage uh, from a lot of these seminal bands that we think of now that came out of the late 70s, 80s, uh, that is super old and probably never before seen. I thought it was fascinating seeing like a, a very, very, very young Martin Gore from Depeche Mode talking about Synthesizer and how it changed the way he wrote. Uh, great. Good stuff. Cool. And then the second one is a funny little video. Um, this is Rational Funk. Uh, this guy, Dave King, who is a professional drummer. Um, he's also, he does instructional videos on, on YouTube. Um, most of them quite serious. This one was episode 21, Lady Gaga and Laptops. And he just kind of makes fun of Lady Gaga and laptops and electronic music in general. And Andy sent it to me because he thought I would get a kick out of it. And it was very <laughs> Very funny. I particularly like the end of the clip where he's talking about how to get hired by Lady Gaga, um, and you just have to dress stupid and not know any music, and then he just starts <laughs> playing his playing his drums with the laptop because he doesn't know actually how to use the laptop. <laughs> but he knows how to get a video on YouTube. Hmm, surprising there. I'm sure he has somebody who does that for him. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, Brian. Yes. I, I don't know what got into me. I saw you post this on social media, and I was wondering this. I was like, how much wine did you have? Uh, enough. enough. <laughs> I had enough, and I was out of everything else to watch. I'd, I'd, I'd wrapped up all my... I got caught up with Preacher, which, by the way, mm -hmm. is killing it this season. Amazing show. And uh, there it was, staring me in the face, The Circle. That book was horrible. The book was... I thought the book was mediocre, and... Okay, mediocre on the high side... On the... The high side of shitty, the low side of mediocre, okay? Okay. <laughs> it was right on the tipping point where I didn't quit it, but I should have. Um, right. I, I, I reversed that trend with watching this movie. I made it to minute 48 before I couldn't take it anymore. It is so bad. So unbelievably bad. Even the with Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, it's bad. Oh, my God. You, have, you have no idea. And... Right. I mean, it, it really is. It, it is a complete ripoff of Antitrust for, from what mm -hmm. I saw. And Antitrust, at least, it, it had Ryan Phillippe in it, who I don't even like in that movie was better. But, and I like Emma Watson, and I like Tom Cruise, or Tom, not Tom Cruise, uh, Tom Hanks. But yeah. this, the, the writing in this was terrible. The story is terrible. Yeah. Everything about yeah. it is terrible. And then when, yeah. when you look at the production credits at the beginning, you know, you're expecting the, the 20th Century Fox or the Universal logo. no. This is funded by like a hedge fund in Abu Dhabi. Yeah, well, that's becoming more common, to be fair. That's true. That's true. But uh, as a palate cleanser, The Lost Boys turns 30 years old last week. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I love that movie. Well, that was a good movie. I, nothing to complain about there. It's good stuff. Uh, I loved it. Uh, so let's continue in that nostalgia vein. The Karate Kid is getting a revival. Cobra Kai. No way. Yep. With the uh, the original two guys, uh, Ralph Macchio, who played Larusa, and William Zapka, who played uh, Johnny Lawrence. They're both reprising their roles. This will be a YouTube Red series, and it, before you get super happy about it and think it's going to be a straight-up uh, return to the glory of the dojo, it's going to be a comedy. 
Well, I hope so. The, the original was a comedy. <laughs> Ish. It was comedy with a heart. It was a real story. This is, I think this is going to be a piss take, and we'll see how well it does. Now, did we, I don't know if we talked about this on the show. I watched this on Facebook a couple weeks ago. The guy who did the review of The Karate Kid, where they actually made Johnny the hero in how, how Ralph Macchio was the bully. Yeah. That, did we talk about that on the show? I think we did. It sounds familiar. Okay, if not, I'm going to have to dig up the video for that and put it in the show notes, because my God, that was the funniest thing I've seen. It's just like totally flipped the movie on its head. And it That's showed how, how LaRusso was just a total dick and bully to Johnny <laughs> and stole his yep. girlfriend and broke his radio. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was funny stuff. Good stuff. Okay, I've got another headline that is uh, what you think you want, but then you find out as you read the article that it's not what you want it to be. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas to get a sequel next year. Not really. Okay. Uh, what they're going to do is there's going to be a comic book oh. called <laughs> The Nightmare Before Christmas Zero's Journey. Boo. Which is not really a sequel to Nightmare Before Christmas. So thank you for that entirely misleading headline. I hate when they do that thing with the comic. They did that with Buffy. They did it with Firefly. It's just like, no, just let it die. Yeah, just let it go. Uh, Speaking of things that should have just been let go and died, The Dark Tower came out this week. All right, all right, all right. All right, all right, all right. What's going on in the Darklands? (laughs) I'm going to get me that gunslinger. So apparently your worries have been uh, founded this entire time. Uh, the probably worst... <sighs> People are saying, okay, it's not really all that bad, but that's just a nice way of saying it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is not shocking, because this never should have been a movie. This should be a Game of Thrones-style, eight-season-long, throw a bazillion dollars out of it HBO miniseries. This should never been a movie and what a horrible thing it apparently is um it's it's as it says one of the reviews it's more forgettable than just plain bad and this is one of the finest series of all times and (laughs) is anything but forgettable the funny thing uh, the thing that got me is it's 90 minutes how can you do anything with that in 90 minutes yeah i mean i know they're trying to this is like the they're dipping their toe in the water for the upcoming TV series and, you know, the whole planned world of the Dark Tower. But I, who knows? I bet that's all going to get scrapped now because the movie sucked. Yeah, I, I thought I, I didn't delve too into this just because it depresses me. But I remember I, I did hear something after the bad reviews were starting to roll in for the movie about how they're really going to kind of pretend that the movie didn't exist for the series now, which mm. is probably smart. And I just think like they did some, with Buffy. Perfect. And there's <laughs> there's some serious rewriting going on for the TV series right now because, you know, they, they try to take on it and obviously it didn't work. And the, the TV series picks up at book five, doesn't it? I think that's where it. Yeah, hard to tell, especially because the movie doesn't really follow any of the books. So yeah, it seems so. like they put all the books in the blender and just said, yeah. here you go. Yeah, But they're saying Idris Elba is great in it. Well, that's not surprising. <laughs> not so much about Matthew McConaughey, but uh, where's their surprise there? Well, that's also not surprising. At the library. We had friend of the show Rob Reed on a couple weeks ago, and I asked him for some recommendations on what he was reading. And the first book he told me was Sleeping Giants by Sylvain Nouvelle. And I went through the book, and it's, you know, uh, space robots on Earth and things like that. Kind of, it's, it's an interesting book. I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed it quite a bit, so much so that I broke tradition and immediately went and got book two. 
and went through. Uh, to be fair, you didn't break tradition. That is the tradition. We're, we're this is the tradition to we're trying to tradition. break. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, I did stick with tradition and went right into book two as soon as I was done with book one without that that necessary time needed for reflection. <laughs> and when I got through book two, sadly, I was disappointed. Um, mm. It was okay, but so I give I give Sleeping Giants four out of five. I really okay. enjoyed it. I liked the storytelling. I liked the writing. It wasn't, you know, it's not like super hard sci-fi. Um, right. It's not exactly young adult. It's kind of in the middle there, mm. but it was decent. It was decent. Okay. Good space robot story, aliens and all, all right. and all that stuff. But on the second one, yeah, not so much. Could kind of it, it was so telegraphed that, and that's the problem I'm seeing with all of these trilogies nowadays. They're so telegraphed, I can't really even enjoy them. The only one, I, the only see, one that's for done me, it, yeah. It, it it feels like they're writing for the movie deals. Yeah, exactly. They're not they're not writing novels. They are writing scripts, mm-hmm. and that's that's the problem I'm having with a lot of these series now. Yep. Yeah, whatever that uh, weird that uh, was the Red Rising series. I think that I started. Yeah. Same problem with that one. By the end of the second one, I'm like, just stick you to shoot me in the face. It's it's you know <laughs> the Mockingjay syndrome. We'll just call it that. Yeah, I mean, a script is a script. Fine, B- write a script. But uh, the point of a novel, of a book, is is supposed to, it's it's Ender's Game. It, it's the Dark Tower. It should be very difficult to adapt. You have the ability with a novel to get so deep and have big ideas mm-hmm. and, and play with the space-time continuum, whatever you want to do, especially as a sci-fi book. Why is everybody, well, uh, duh. Money. We know the answer. It's <laughs> yeah. money. It's we can, nobody. You're not going to make money being an author, but you are going to make money if it, they turn it into a big goddamn series starring a bunch of tweens. Yeah, so. yeah. The latinum must flow, as they say. But uh, yeah, it, it it just saddened me that I got got to book two and it was just like that. I will finish this one though because I I did enjoy book two enough. Right. Like I said, okay, four stars, four out of five for the first one, three out of five for the second one, and I have high hopes for the third. But it's going to be another year. It's another one where you know. They they build these things out so it's like boom one next one year one year yeah, yeah um, and exactly I was gonna say though that the only book series in recent history that I have not been disappointed with when they did one and then next year book two is the Bobaverse series that's true yeah. Th- those are solid and the next one's coming out pretty soon so but those are also I would argue incredibly well written and you couldn't just turn that you would you, they're not scripts no they're, they're, they're not all over the map you yeah. would there there are some deep ideas there is some serious playing of uh, over time and distances and things mm-hmm. like that that you could never you would have to totally rewrite it to adapt it to be a movie so that's that he's doing he's writing novels yeah Good on him. and I would like to actually ask him the question did you have this entire thing written when you went to the publisher because it feels like this is this is not one of those things where it's like they wrote book one, then they had another year and a bigger bonus to go write book two with the right. with the mandate that this is going to be turned into a three or four part movie series. It's like it feels right. like Bobaverse came in fully formed, ready to go. So I'd like yeah. to ask him that question someday. But anyway, that's what I got this week. Cool. Security. Ha! We're back again this week with David Bittner from the Cyberwire. How you doing, Dave? I'm doing well, gentlemen. Nice to be back. Shall we start off talking about The Wolf? <laughs> okay. Have you had a chance to watch this, Brian? I, I did not because you added it this morning. Ah. And I've been I've been babying. So. <laughs> oh, baby time, baby it, time. It does seem to be that Christian Slater is definitely diving into that let's typecast me situation. 
Yeah, well, so let's let's back up the truck here for a second. The Wolf is a commercial series by HP. And right, yeah. so far there's two of them. There's two like 7-minute movies. Right. And I got to say uh, they're better than the entire last season of Mr. Robot. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not that's not a tough putt. <laughs> yeah. They are really good and and uh, that's Funny. a hard thing to yeah, that's a hard thing to pull off with Something that at its core is an advertisement for, yeah, for printers, <laughs> for printers. Right. But it's it's a good lesson. You know, the whole notion of, you know, you should have your printer secure and, and it's well done. It's it's sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And and Christian Slater does a good job with it. He does a great job. I think, it, like I said, I think he's better in this than he was in Mr. Robot. So, <laughs> All right. Well, I guess I'll have to watch it. This is not the first time that we've had something like this. Uh, if you recall, I can't even remember what episode we talked about it on, but Symantec had done a documentary series based on, you know, Russian hackers. I barely remember that. So this is not the first time that we have had corporate sponsored uh, pro- film productions, basically. Yeah, but this is really high production value. There's a bunch of them. There, you can find them on YouTube as well. And I, I checked when I checked uh, earlier today. I think there were about half a dozen of them up. Uh, so. No, that's the problem. On the YouTube channel, they break it into parts per episode. Uh, I see. But if you just go to the the link in the show notes, you can watch them in their entirety. And there's only two episodes out so far, but they're they're really good. <laughs> well, congratulations to HP for making us to for making us look forward to the next episode of an ad. <laughs> yeah, seriously, hire that agency, sir. <laughs> right. And they make a good point. You know, printers are quite often a weak spot in security. People don't think about when they hose up a printer to their network that uh, how it can be a point of vulnerability, especially because most printers have Wi-Fi built into them and USB ports, and so there's lots of ways to get in through that printer. Yep, and on the second episode, it's even more. It goes like more down the rabbit hole on on crazy doctor hacking and things like that. It's <laughs> it's really fun. Who and whoever wrote them, kudos, tip of the hat. Yeah, maybe they should well hire done. they should hire the the writer of the commercials to work on Mister Robot because that could use some punching <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, earlier this week um, there was a report that came out about uh, some bad guys who have uh, started a program they're calling Leak the Analyst. This is scary. I, I saw this coming through the, the wires this week, and I was just like, oh, dear. <laughs> right. And it's sort of been a matter of, well, how much there is there there? The group called themselves the 31337 Hackers. Um, you know, that flows trippingly off the tongue. Well, they're elite. <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they are elite. They're so elite that they have a five-digit number. Um, I guess all the 31,336 numbers before that were all taken. So, well, 1337 uh, has always been elite. So now yeah. they just, they, they, they're a little bit more, uh, they're getting a little more uh, descriptive with it, as it were. But yeah, <laughs> they're just so, saying they're not just elite, they're elite. Elite. So they, um, they, uh, they brought out the, um, uh, they basically doxed someone. Um, mm-hmm. I guess that's not really the right way to describe it. They they released a bunch of documents that they had gathered up from an analyst at Mandiant, and uh, Mandiant is a a well known cybersecurity firm. They uh, handled uh, the Sony hack, and uh, so they're well known, well respected. They're a unit of FireEye. And so everyone was kind of holding their breath to see how much of the claims of these hackers were true, um, that they were claiming that they'd breached Mandiant's network, that they'd been 
basically had free reign within the network, and they used these documents from one of Mandian's analysts as evidence of that. So far, Mandian is saying, no, we have no evidence of anyone actually getting in here, and there hasn't been anything else released. So, so far, these hackers have not really um, shown, uh, they've not lived up to their claims, shall we say. So oh. it's, it's a bit anonymous, you know, lots of talk, not much actually happening. I think that's fair to say, um, but it certainly has people's attention to see if this is the first of perhaps many, or if this is just a one-shot deal, somebody just with a lot of bravado. Um, we'll see. Right. Okay, well, I hope, you know, if they're going to man up to it, they'll probably just release some more documents and uh, uh, kind of put Mandiant in their place saying, oh, you know, we, we gave you a little taste, but if you really want us to prove it, here you go. Yeah, it's been a few days and, and nothing like that's happened. Uh, really, it seems as though they only got into this person's social media accounts, uh, a few of those. So, uh, you know, they released some emails and, and things like that. But um, what is emails? Nothing from, <laughs> but nothing <laughs> nothing from deep within Mandiant. So, so far, doesn't seem to be as much there as the uh, these guys were claiming that there is. Uh, ye old tempest in the teapot. We'll see. <laughs> Hopefully. Now, we've got some uh, senators that are on the warpath against the Internet of Things. Yes. Senator Mark Warner and Senator Cory Gardner. Warner and Gardner. Sounds like a bad 70s cop show. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Warner. He's Gardner. (laughs) (laughs) Like a vaudeville team. (laughs) (laughs) Mammy. (laughs) That's going back a bit further. further. That's maybe a little too far. (laughs) Nice, Jason. Nice. Uh, (laughs) Can't do anything right around here. So these guys want to put a bill into place to make IoT devices require software updates and uh, password updates and things like that. Smart stuff. It all makes sense. I would like to see this uh, apply across the board, not just uh, to government agencies, which is right now what the bill would cover. So you can only use uh, certain IoT wearables within the government purview if they meet these standards. I would just like these to be standards. Yeah, seriously. These should be consumer standards. Exactly. Right. And so I think this is an interesting way to test that out, introduce it to the government. Basically, they're saying if you want to sell something to the government, it has to meet these standards. And Mm -hmm. but this is that that age old argument. Do we come at this problem through regulation, which that's what this is, or do we come at this problem through um Economics. Allowing industry to, to we, take care of it themselves. And we already this- know the answer to that <laughs> because the industry is not fucking bothering. And the consumers generally tend not to be savvy enough to know or care. Uh, yes. I think we have to approach this through legislation Legislation at this point. I mean, it, this. I want to see a lot more of this. I agree with you. I think this is one of those situations where you're right. Neither the manufacturers nor the consumers really care about this. The consumers just want to buy the cheapest thing they can fi- find on Amazon. <clears throat> Jason. <coughs> Jason. <laughs> Bittner. <laughs> smoke detector. Now, wait a, wait a minute. Looking, that was looking not at the cheapest phone, one. <laughs> no, it was the second cheapest one. And looking at my phone, I can tell you right now that my house is not on fire. So, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so I think this is one of those cases where... When nobody else cares, it, this is one of those situations where it's time for government to look out for us. This this is the so. exact point of government. This is why we <laughs> have governments. Yay, government. <laughs> have you looked at our government lately? 
Well, you know, uh, hey, well, we, you know, I can I can suggest more than a few things that we could just get rid of uh, since we have to get rid of two things to replace them with one thing. Right. That's the way our government's <laughs> supposedly working now. So there are some extraneous, ridiculous things out there. This is not extraneous, nor is it ridiculous. This makes perfect sense. And in a perfect world, it should pass no problem. And like I said, it should also be a consumer regulation, not just for government use. I have some hope about this because it's a it's a co-sponsored bill across the aisle one's a democrat one's a republican so here's open oh, fish and a bird may love each other but where will they live <laughs> the other uh, the other people have suggested having sort of uh, the equi- the cyber equivalent of ul listing as we've talked about before where you know electrical de- electrical consumer devices in your home that use electricity are UL listed? They're they're tested by Underwriters Laboratory, and so before you buy something, you want to make sure it has that UL seal yeah. of approval on it. And uh, so people have suggested something similar for cyber. But again, Which, I don't think you know, everybody the, walking around Home Depot is looking for that UL signal sign. Well, yeah, and I, I exactly, and but particularly on Amazon, no, you're going for everyone who goes out and looks for the cheapest device that has more than a four star rating. They're yeah. not going to care. They're not yeah. going to care. So I, I think I, I, it'll be interesting to see where this goes. I think I think they're off to a good start. I think starting it in the government is a nice way to test it, see mm-hmm. how people react to it, see if there are any unintended consequences, and take it from there. Uh, agreed. Baby steps. Baby steps. Internet of baby yep. steps. <laughs> now get back. To, let's get back to some more hackers. Mm-hmm. Apparently, Game of Thrones episode four has been leaked online already. After a the whole- Two days before it'll actually air. Well, hopefully they have uh, the rest of the season, so I don't have to sit there on Sunday nights with, you know, unbated breath so I can figure out if my favorite character is going to die, which they They usually do. Yes. Yes. uh, Yes. Game of sadness porn. That's what we call it. But (laughs) it's interesting that they're finally starting to release some of this stuff because HBO has pretty much taken a hard line on dealing with hackers in the past. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they were hit by what is apparently a rather large hack. Uh, earlier in the week, we had heard that they had stolen all the scripts for the upcoming Game of Thrones episodes. Now we're finding out there's full episode. There will probably be more. Um, this is, you know, this is a tough thing to deal with. And for me, I like uh, waiting until Sundays. I like the old school method of dripping and drabbing episodes out. I'm not a fan of the Netflix dump it all at once. I, I and but unfortunately, I think that's probably because of situations like this hacking and things like that. It's going to make a lot more sense for these companies to just kind of get everything together, make sure it's really, really secure and then go have at it, people. You know, nobody's going to scoop us. <laughs> what do you guys think the actual financial implications of this would be for HBO? Zero. None. Zero. Uh, th- there's no advertising revenue that they're losing out on. And if anything, it's just going to increase, you know, people that may not have watched Game of Thrones that are just going to be into the idea of like, I'm getting something for free that people don't want me to have may see it and may get into it. It's but just, there's, they're not losing any advertising revenue at all. Yeah, it keeps them in the news cycle longer. So hell, maybe they leaked it. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time we've heard of such things. Because yeah, I mean, look I mean, at we... look at look at the Netflix breach with uh, uh, Orange is the New Black. Nothing really came of that. You know, they released the whole season, I think, except for one episode. But uh, which, 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 you know, honestly, if I was Netflix, that's how I would do it, because then people are going to watch the first 11 episodes and want to watch that 12th episode to see what happened. So they better sign up for Netflix. 
I know. Take, uh, take I, off yeah, the tinfoil hat, Jason. It's okay. <laughs> well, I, you know, you always see people make the case, particularly with movies that are in theatrical release, that, and by people, I mean the people who make the movies, saying that when the movie is leaked ahead of time, that that has a large financial impact on the box office for the film. I tend to not really follow that line of thinking uh, <laughs> only if the movie sucks that's where it comes into play if the movie's terrible and people get a crappy version then they're going to watch it and go wow that's a terrible movie if it was a good movie they would want to go to the theater to see it in full definition which i've done in the past many times i i tend to f- agree with with you dave about this i think that the financial implications of this stuff is vastly exaggerated i think the the it's still not that easy to go to sweden to get something that's been leaked uh, the people that are capable of doing that probably do that regardless and probably aren't going to the theater to see the movie or they're not paying for HBO or Netflix anyways. I think you're attracting a certain subset of person that is interested in, capable of, and goes to the steps of downloading something illegally to watch that that that, that personality probably isn't paying for cable anyways. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and also, as we've heard lately, that uh, places like the Pirate Bay are have just become overrun with malware in these movies. You know, so it is it is much, much worse than it used to be in terms of uh, finding yourself infected because of something that you downloaded that, you know, fell off the back of the virtual truck. Yeah. All right. So sticking with hackers, we got a hat tip to Dr. Teeter, who sent me this story. The U.S. is picking up vacationing Russian hackers. Um, The United States has carried out a largely unheralded roundup of big Russian hackers over the last year, grabbing them on vacation in Barcelona, Prague and Greece. Uh, The arrests uh, come as Russia's security services have struck a strategic agreement with the country's cyber criminals, allowing them to work as long as they also conduct state ordered missions. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Remember the I can't stop Russian hackers from what they decide to do in the morning. Well, (laughs) apparently you're kind of egging them on. So this is interesting because we haven't really heard too much about this in the news and it's been going on for over a year now. Um, And, you know, the takeaway is obviously if you're a big Russian hacker, don't go on vacation. Yeah, I'd actually first heard of this kind of thing, I want to say probably about two years ago. Um, we had, I was at a, a conference where a FBI agent was speaking and he was talking about just this thing about how really the opportunity for the FBI to grab some of these people is when they go on vacation. And he was, he was sort of laughing about it saying that, you know, these guys there there are plenty of nice places to go on vacation and stay within Russia, but these folks can't seem to help themselves. And uh, with the, the money that they make, which relative to your average Russian is a lot, they like to live it conspicuously. Right? <laughs> and so they travel overseas and, um, and this, this is not unusual for them to get scooped up while they're on vacation. So yay, yay for the FBI, right? And, and the, exactly. the agencies that they partner with. It's funny yeah. that word hasn't got out better than it has. Criminals, criminals are notoriously so intelligent, you know? Well, well there's there, that. There but you know what? Russian criminals story. are not. But you know what? Russian, I mean, well, Russian hackers are are known for being smart cookies, but... I guess you can't resist the uh, can't resist the urge to uh, visit that beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
So, and then we've got our from my from hero to zero story. This is my personal favorite story of the week. Uh, just two and a half months ago, 22-year-old Marcus Hutchins, the British security researcher who basically was hailed as an international hero for stopping the WannaCry ransomware attack, which we talked about on this show. Unfortunately, this week he was uh, arrested on charges that he was behind a banking hack in 2014 called the Kronos Banking Trojan. So not such a nice guy after all. Well, this is in this is debatable right now because the the jury is out. Uh, there are apparently some uh, posts before about him actually trying to find copies of Kronos to research on some of the old bulletin boards, and it's not ah, the Pete the Pete Townsend uh, child porn gambit. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 that old chestnut. That old. <laughs> it's a cliche for a reason. <laughs> This was really interesting to watch um, as this came down. I, I, I was drawn to my attention on Twitter, and, and it was fascinating to watch because it started off with, has anybody seen Marcus lately? You know, and then um, Marcus has disappeared. Nobody, you know, friends, uh, I guess, fellow travelers saying, hey, I'm concerned I haven't seen Marcus in I don't know, 14 hours, something like that, a decent amount of time. Has anyone checked the champagne room? <laughs> All right. All right, and then people start calling around, because he was at DEF CON, which is the big uh, hackers convention in Las Vegas, and people start calling around law enforcement. I believe they started with uh, the federal marshals, and the federal marshals said, nope, we don't, we don't have him. And uh, eventually, I guess, uh, the FBI said, yes, we have, uh, we have, Detained him for questioning, and uh, last I checked today, I believe that he's got, um, they've charged him with six felonies. Ouch. Yep, that's significant. Do we know what the felonies are? I have not seen so far as we record what the felonies are, um, <clears throat> but uh, it was an interesting commentary from someone. The EFF, the Electronic Frontier Foundation, is uh, is sort of stepping up to oversee this to look into this to to offer their their assistance and guidance um and uh there was commentary i saw i'm not sure it was from them but from someone who was saying what if so does that mean it's a felony to even write this kind of code um right evidently hutchins was we, we've talked about on this show the people who write the code and then sell it as a service versus the people who actually use the code. And I think this could be an example of, you know, if you sort of look at the drug war of them going after the dealer, not the user. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or the high level dealer, not the the street corner guy. If that's what, you know, he was up to, if he actually wrote this code. And, and again, like you said, we don't know all the details yet. And it may be a while before we do. Yeah, but, everybody's boy. speculating that because Alpha Bay went down, they, they finally got some more information on that ties him to Kronos. From right, back yeah. in 2014, so we'll right. see. Man, he was yep. he was a youngin then. 2014, yes, he was 19 years yep. old. Damn. Well, evil you, is the service is a game for the young. You go, girl. <laughs> go straight yeah. to jail. Do not pass go. She should have known better. And as I think we can attest to, just in this segment alone, if it seems like reports of ransomware attacks are increasing, uh, Malwarebytes is agreeing with us. Uh, the company released its second annual State of Ransomware report recently. What I liked about this story, well, not liked, what I find depressing about this story is that actually, uh, if you want to make some money or shut down a business, 
target a small business because they can either not afford to have the infrastructure in place to help stop these things or they cannot afford to pay them off or they cannot afford the resources to work around them once they've been hit. But larger businesses can. So that is pretty crazy. Twenty two percent of small businesses that get hit basically get shut down. They can no longer afford to stay in business because it affects them that badly. Well, malware's like, you know, when Walmart comes to town or Amazon decides to jump into your business. Maybe Amazon's behind some of this. <laughs> Could be. Mm, there's my tinfoil well, hat for the day. <laughs> is it permanent shutdown or is it shutting down for a little while while they get things worked out? I'm, I was there, unclear. Yeah, it's not entirely clear either. And I just didn't have it in me to read the entire report. So, <laughs> yeah. Either way, we go the know, extra mile here at Grumpy. Either, <laughs> so to our readers, if one of you would be willing to read the report and uh, respond back to the three of us uh, as to what it actually is, that'd be great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> yeah, we'd really appreciate that. Look, everybody outsources these days. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, but I mean, this all makes sense. Uh, it's sort of a cold reality to see it such a high percentage, but. Yeah, if you're a small business, the thing is with ransomware, even going after backups, uh, the ransom, yeah. the sophistication of the ransomware is growing. So you could be running your small mom and pop there, and your, you know, your point of sale is running on, let's say, your iMac, and you've got Time Machine running, and ransomware yep. comes along and just encrypts everything, including your backups. So now you can't sell anything. Now you, you, know, you don't, you don't have any of your records. You can't do payroll. Yeah, that's a, that's a bad day for you, and it yes. may take a while to if if you you may you may not have another backup, and like you said, you might not be able to afford to pay the ransom. And as we all know, you should not pay the ransom because paying the ransom is no guarantee that you're going to get your stuff back. And all it does is make the ransomware people bolder because they got away with encrypting your stuff. Agree. So Yep. Take the hit. Start over. Keep the cash for something else, or <laughs> use it. Use it for your resume because you have to go look for a new job because you just screwed your own company. Well, and if you are that small business, make sure you have plenty of backups and that not all of them are stay connected to your system all the time. Yeah, that's a nice thing about uh, I use Carbon Copy Cloner for some of my backups, and it it can mm -hmm. unmount the disk at the end of the backup. Yep. Yep. That's a, that's a good one. Mm -hmm. I've used that one myself. All right, so uh, in our continuing uh, story, because we just can't keep, a nut, keep, keep away from it, and I'm sure our listeners never get tired of it, two more <laughs> popular IP cameras are found to be riddled with vulnerabilities. Hey, I don't own either one of them, so I'm, I'm, safe, this for, I'm safe from ridicule. I was going to say I'm safe from ridicule this week, but I can't say the word ridicule, so probably not safe from ridicule. No, yeah, these are a couple not. of consumer-grade IP cameras uh, manufactured by Loftech and VStart Cam. And uh, over 1.3 million of the cameras are in use with over 200,000 in the United States. And it's really the same old story that, um, you know, the same old vulnerabilities that they're, they send things in clear text that you have hard coded passwords and if, all the same sorts of things from these cameras out of China. If only there were some government regulation. <laughs> if only. Right. Because apparently... Obviously, manufacturers and consumers are not going to solve the problem themselves. You know what we should do? We should, for maybe for next week, and uh, because I know how much we all love to have homework, we <laughs> should try to find a camera on Amazon that we think is actually secure. Uh, how about the Nest? How about the Nest? 
So it's probably yeah. That's so far so good, good on my nest. I haven't had any. Ha- yeah. Nobody's made fun of me for having a nest cam yet. All right, yep. give us a week, Jason. Okay. Give us a week. <laughs> yeah, let's look. At, let's look into it because I I am wondering like how cheap can we get down to and have a reasonable level of security. Right. Yeah, because the nest right. cams aren't cheap. That's the problem no. with nest cams. Yeah. No, that's a good. The nest probably is. That's probably a good starting point. So yeah, maybe we should look into that. What is the cheapest camera we can find? that we think has a reasonable chance of having decent, good enough security. Yep. And I will reach out to some of my friends in the, uh, in the underbelly of the internet and see what they recommend as well. So that- All right. Oh. So we'll do that for next week. Thanks. Homework. homework. Yay. <laughs> Get out of here. I don't want to talk to you anymore. I know. I know. I, it's, it's, yeah. Bring bad news plus homework. So, gentlemen, until <laughs> next week, have fun. Yeah, next week I'll be here. Sorry, Bam Bam ate my webcam. Right, exactly. All right, guys, take care. Brick a brick. This kind of rolls into what we've been talking about earlier with kids going out of their mind and off their gourd by Mm -hmm. living with their smartphones too much. Yes. I found this article on Quartz. It's uh, been out for a little while now, but it's uh, I kicked my smartphone addiction by retraining my brain to enjoy being bored by Jordan Rosenfeld. Okay. Do you remember being bored, Brian? Uh,. Well, yes, but no, because I'd always heard there's no such thing as being bored. There's only boring people. Yeah, being bored, but then finding something to do, reading a book, uh, working on some artistic project, uh, throwing a ball against a wall. Exactly. You know, but you had you had empty space that you wanted to yes. fill, but you could do it with creative endeavors, not sitting there reading what your friends are having for lunch. Right. And that's gotcha. the difference. And yeah, so being bored is definitely one of those, you could uh, tomato, tomato type of things. But I, j- I look mm-hmm. at it as empty space to be creative and think more. And people just aren't, aren't comfortable with that anymore. So this is a very, well, it's, a, it's a long form article that is worth diving into if you're just trying to retrain yourself to enjoy those silences and spaces in between things. Yes, uh, very important. And more important every day as we're quickly learning. Oh, oh my God. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, and speaking of empty spaces, Danzig's house is for sale. Okay. I, you know, Glenn Danzig's house in Silver Lake. It's, it's Los Feliz, actually, right? Los Feliz. It looks like Los Feliz to me. Yeah, it's right by House of Pies there on Franklin. We used to go by there all the time and make fun of him. And he had these big piles of bricks in his yard that he never mowed. Uh, apparently, he's moved. He's moved on and his house is for sale. And you can go buy it now for $1.2 million if you have the cash. That's actually not a bad price for for that location. Craftsman, uh, that yeah. location in the rear of the property is a separate two bedroom, one bath additional unit that you could totally do has a, have as a rental property. Yeah, uh, this is a good investment, people. Yeah, Air- once you get rid of all the skulls and you know demons that live there. Oh come on, you, you got to keep that stuff. <laughs> you, imagine the money you could make on Airbnb, saying that you can stay in Danzig's house. Mm. Come on, that is that is that is some gold right there. All right. Now, speaking of L.A. history, Angeline, mm-hmm. I, yes. who we like to call the the OG Kardashian. <laughs> Nobody really yep. ever knew who she was. She would drive around L.A. in her pink Cadillac, or not Cadillac, uh, her pink Corvette. Pink Corvette. Yes. Yeah. She had billboards. You know, she was famous for being famous. She's the initial. She's the original. She is the pioneer of this. And I would argue that, you know, nobody never knew her story, but mostly nobody really cared. Nobody cared. (laughs) That's the thing. Nobody cared about it. She was she was a joke. Everybody's like, oh, there's Angeline. So, (laughs) yeah. 
<laughs> but apparently the Hollywood Reporter has an article here where they, they figured out who she actually is and did the deep dive on it. It is a very long read, uh, yes. which I skimmed because still to this day, don't really care that much. But I thought it was fun that they, somebody actually went to the trouble to figure out who she was and, uh, and actually publish it. So mystery solved. It's kind of cool because you do see these early photos of her before she adopted the Angeline mm-hmm. thing and a good looking girl. Yeah. Talk I mean, about, yeah. Why, why, you know, she ruined herself. I think I thought she was well, way cute. You know, yeah, she, uh, whatever. I mean, she's cute. She, she wasn't gorgeous, but she was cute. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, now we know another, another because we can't have nice things or mysteries anymore. The internet has ruined everything. <laughs> yes, it has, but it is bringing us ice cream that doesn't melt. Oh, this can be, uh, what could go wrong with this? I love this. Sure, it's not a cure for cancer, but science, damn it. Researchers at Japanese Biotherapy Development Research Center was asked by, they were asked by a pastry chef to create a brand new dessert using polyphenol, whatever the hell that is. It's a liquid apparently extracted from strawberries, what we would usually call water. <laughs> or juice. <clears throat> or juice, yes. The pastry chef noted that any time he added this to dairy cream, it solidified instantly. That's when they realized they may have stumbled onto something revolutionary. So apparently it has properties in it that make it difficult for water and oil to separate. If you add this substance to ice cream, it allows the dessert to keep its shape for much longer than usual. Much longer than usual isn't doesn't melt. It just takes longer to melt. Do we need to do an entire show on how all headlines (laughs) are completely and utterly misleading? Here's my problem with it, though. (laughs) Does all the ice cream that that is uh, injected with this polyphenol tastes like strawberry because i hate strawberry ice cream what is wrong with i'm a french vanilla guy what can i say my god that explains so much it does doesn't it hunting unicorns hunting unicorns we're checking in on our hunting unicorn segment we started this at the beginning of the year where jason and i both picked five tech stocks in front of the show mike picked five non-tech stocks as a bit of a control to see which one of us is going to get all the monies uh, I am still leading the pack. Uh, I wish I had this investment portfolio in my real life because I am at 37.03% up. That's incredible. Yeah, I wish I'd have. <laughs> that, is, that is really good. Uh, Jason, you're doing great, too. You're at 30.09, actually. So that's great. And our control mic, still not bad. 14.49% up. We're all up. None of us has lost any money. And we're all outperforming the market in general. Thank you, President Trump. I guess so. <laughs> now, we also had a side bet because Jason was so hot on Twitter uh, that he bet me a six pack of beer, basically, that he would not lose money on, inv- on his investment in Twitter. Now, I immediately just went ahead and invested in Twitter as well. So either way, I win. Yeah, because you're because uh, you're a dick. Because I'm a dick. Yes. But how is our Twitter stock doing, Jason? Now, this morning it was looking pretty grim. But right now I just went and checked and Twitter is at sixteen dollars and thirty four cents. Right, so it's a little bit above what you and I both bought it at. I think it's above what I bought it at, not you. Uh, That's true. I bought it at sixteen dollars and thirty-three point thirty-three point two seven six nine cents. Wow, you're literally making pennies on the dollar. I am making tens of pennies on the dollar at this point. <laughs> but here's the deal: I am making money on Twitter. Yes, this morning, and by the time you know the evening wraps up, yes. it'll probably be back in the crapper. But it sadly is down from I think it was like eighteen bucks last month when we when we did our hunting unicorn segment. Yes, it was. But we got three more months to go, so the big reveal will be around Christmas. Yeah, but hey, we're we're in month eight now. We're starting month eight. 
And mm-hmm. since I bought the stock, it has not gone below the price that I paid for it. So that's a mm-hmm. you know except except for this morning, except for this morning. But <laughs> they're they're hanging on with by their teeth at this point. So I, I'm rooting for them. Just 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 hang out till you know. All I need January second is just you can <laughs> die in a fire January second. But hang on, I want that six pack. All right. Feedback loop. We have no new Patreon subscribers this week. Shame on you all. Shame on you all. But we have some new Facebook feedback. First one comes from Katya Zalokar. Zalokar? Mm. I'm just going to go with Katya. Started listening to a five-star rating on Facebook. That's right, because you can do star ratings on Facebook now. Started listening Mm -hmm. to this podcast about a year ago, and it's the only podcast these days I still listen to. The show is informative and funny and keeps me up to date when it comes to tech news. Keep up the great work. Well, we shall. Thank you so much. We also got a five-star rating from Zabe. A great podcast. Recently discovered your show. Spent much of the aughts in tech. And your podcast reminds me a lot of discussions I've had with many of the friends I still have in tech. I'm sorry. You. Sorry you still have friends in tech. Uh, me too. And we got a lovely little drawing from Sarah on Facebook. She tagged us. Uh, she started a series of drawing what she thinks the people that uh, in the podcast that she is currently listening to look like. And I got to say, Jason, you look like a, a very fit guy from an 80s movie. <laughs> I and I look like I'm named Biff. <laughs> and I look like Jerry Garcia. You do. You definitely do. <laughs> you are, Thank you, Sarah. You're, you're a little scruffy. And, and she got the size of Bam Bam just about right in this one, too. Yeah. And in your lap and about to bark into the microphone. That's what she usual. does. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Next, we got some some Twitter feedback here. This mm-hmm. comes from Ivor Tola, friend of the show. Uh, and he says, and the Internet just gets weirder. Outback Steakhouse is at the center of a satanic cult. Conspiracy theory suggests that Outback Steakhouse is at the center of a satanic cult. And somebody mapped the locations of said Outback Steakhouses and they got themselves in a, a pentagram. Interesting. Yeah. And Dancing's house is smack dab in the center of one of those. <laughs> oh it's not it's not really no it's not even close yeah it's not really uh from frosty mint you guys make me giggle and thanks for getting road to nowhere song stuck in my head not a bad song on brain loop agree agree 100 percent. oh and this comes from dyslexi font we uh we, we talked about like what the hell's up with your website thanks for the yes. font and website review especially the site review was helpful we will change the site look at us yeah. changing hearts and minds that's right and lactac do you know what this BC cash is all about? BC owners get BCC, but what happens to the old BC then? This is the Bitcoin stuff. Um, uh, I wrote back and I said, I have no idea. This is why I don't invest in it. Yeah. So, uh, then he sent a second one. I think I got an answer. Not that it really explains the mess. Bitcoin exchange had too many Bitcoins. Oh, okay. So our, our, our money had too much money, so we had to ditch our money. No. <laughs> Seems to be the way it's going. So. Yeah, because I, I I originally thought that it had something to do with the blockchain and there were so many transactions happening that they couldn't keep up, which is what I always thought was going to happen. It's like you have one central registry that is a long ticker tape, basically, and everybody's writing to it and everybody has a copy of it. How's that going to scale? It just didn't didn't for me, it didn't work in, in the scale in like on a global thing if everybody's using it. But I could right. be wrong. I'm often yes. wrong. So we got some feedback uh, on the website over at GOG.show. First one comes from Sean T. Hey, guys, just wanted to drop by and say this is by far my favorite podcast. Well, everybody is chatting about how they're waiting for the new Game of Thrones episodes, which now you can get early if you go to <laughs> go to Sweden. I'm patiently waiting for Monday mornings for the new GOG podcast. I'm 24 and have been working as an IT consultant for a bit over a year. My condolences. 
This show has helped me stay on top of storylines and products in the tech world and has bolstered my reputation among my clients as the kid who knows his shit. So thanks for that. I'll continue to listen and support the show as long as you guys keep going. Also, a thank you to Dave over at CyberWire for helping me discover this show. And Bittner writes in, yay me! <laughs> That's cute. Yeah, thank you so much, Sean. I'm glad you enjoy the show. Next up is Sarah on MS Paint. I am rising to your challenge of finding someone who uses paint on the reg. I use this program probably daily for easy resizing, cropping, and general photo manipulation. It's faster to boot up than Photoshop, and for the majority of my needs, it's perfect. Well, there's one. Yeah, and the, the funny thing is, I didn't know you could do photos in MS Paint. I always thought it was still like 8-bit. <laughs> you know, there's there's two things that come to mind from this comment, and thanks for writing in, Sarah. Uh, first, how old is your PC? Because last time I had a PC, and this was three years ago, Photoshop was a dream program on PCs. It was way better than it was on Mac. That thing loaded in like two seconds. So I'm thinking you need to upgrade. Um, and secondly, yeah, the one thing that I remember using MS Paint for was back in the early days of the internet, you would occasionally get a BMP yep. or a bitmap file download, and Paint was basically the only fucking thing that would open them. True, <laughs> true. <laughs> okay, we got another one here from Seth. You two recently talked about a Ready Player One trailer, and Brian got his panties all in a wad about a Rush song being used. It's weird to have to remind him that the whole book revolves around 80s culture and the book contains a chapter that is an homage to a Rush album. Here's some linkage. So we got a link there. It'll be in the show notes. Mm -hmm. As is per usual, Brian doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about and his opinions are invalid. Jason, thanks for all the show notes. Keep up the good work, guys. Brian, you suck and you have horrible taste in music anyway. I like how Jason removed all the little commentaries after the shitting on me that is like happy face and smiley LOL, which means don't take it quite so seriously. Well, I figured you would, you know, come back. Yeah. So, I, and, no, and by I, the way, I, I, so the the email address and website were obfuscated in the yes. in the thing. But I'm wondering if this is Seth Miranda over at uh, Grime Life. Kind of has. I'm his, wondering. I, I'm no, wondering no, there's no well. way he doesn't read books. It can't be him. Never mind. Oh. Seth doesn't know how oh, to that, read. That's true, but uh, yeah, that's a good point. Uh, look, I, I, I remember the Rush thing, and if I, I somewhat like Rush, I worked with them for six years or something like that. So uh, obviously, we have the same horrible taste in at least one band, uh, and that wasn't really. I, I get it. I, I understand if the trailer were a literal interpretation of the book, then Rush would make total sense. I wasn't talking about that aspect of it. I was talking about the promotional text that they were throwing up on the screen being coupled with Rush at the same time. That was jarring to me. So anyways, you're right. I'm wrong. How's that? <laughs> okay, next one. Landon Ridge. Howdy, geeks. I've been listening to you guys' podcast for a few months now, although I'm not a longtime fan. I... Although I'm not a longtime fan, I don't consider myself fresh meat at this point. Oh, okay, I get it. I wanted to thank both of you guys for hosting such a well-rounded podcast covering not only tech, but movies, books, and those damn Chinese webcams you guys keep talking about. Woo! I, I'd personally love to support you guys' show with all the monies I could have offer, but sadly, when you are an x-ray student, you have zero monies. Again, thank you for being my digital buddies during the week while I sit and battle Northern Virginia traffic. You're welcome, Landon. You're very welcome. Next one comes from David. Hey, guys. I'm listening since a couple of months on my way to work, and I've got to say, keep up the snarky work. It's the perfect mix between techno, security, electro, science, and whatnot. The book recommendation, The Darkening Web, reminded me of the book Blackout by the German author Mark Ellsberg, which came to a similar conclusion. After a couple of days, you're pretty much fucked. And he has a link to the show here. And uh, he said there was even a talk at the 32nd uh, Chaos Communications Congress about that topic, but unfortunately, it's in German. Cheers from Austria, David. 
Hey, Austria. Awesome. Thanks, David. And uh, yeah, I've, I've heard of that book, uh, but I didn't read it because it does seem to kind of be very similar to the other ones, which is we're all going to die. Yeah, I'm working my way through the Ted Koppel book now. I love that book, man. Who'd have thought, who'd have thought Grandpa one, would right? be like, get off my cyber, <laughs> you know? I know. It's a it's a good one, though. If you want your question or comment read on the show, head over to GOG.show slash support and send us your feedback or questions that we can read on the air. And if you're so inclined, please head over to GOG.show slash iTunes and toss us a five star and snarky review. And apparently you can do that on our Facebook page, too. Closing shout outs. And a big shout out to my little brother, Gregory, for turning 26 years old this week. He's literally 20 years younger than me by like two days or three days. So. Happy birthday, Gregory. May you have Happy many birthday. more. I'm not going to sing to you because I did that last week for Dave, so I'm all sung out. Yeah. And I'd just like to give a shout out to everybody that has been participating with the show recently. We've definitely had a massive uptake in uh, in you guys responding to us, writing us, tweeting us, everything us. So we do really <laughs> appreciate it. It's uh, even if you're crapping on us, we, we love that. We love it. Just keep writing. Yeah, so. keep it up. That's been fantastic. I, I, I'm yeah. really amazed at how many people are actually coming out of the woodwork now. So definitely keep it up. We love it. Yep. Until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors, and stuff we like. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast, go to GOG.show slash support, where you'll find all of the ways you can support the show and keep us on the air. To learn more about all of the people who make the show possible, head over to GOG.show slash about. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 221. To that, I say, all right, all right, all right.